What, me? Afraid? Of what? Of the dark? Of monsters lurking in the closet or under the bed? Of ghouls and goblins of Hollywood's undead? Those are childish fears. They're good for a scare now and then, but I know they're make-believe. What am I really afraid of? I'm not afraid of much. I mean, everyone's afraid of some things. It's natural, right? The news can be pretty disconcerting. Earthquakes, floods, and hurricanes, terrorist threats, oil prices, gas prices, mad cow disease, and now there's this avian bird flu. Sometimes it makes me feel like I should color code my anxiety level. I could carry a sign. Today's fear anxiety threat level is orange. Maybe I should stay home. But seriously, of course I live with some level of fear. It's normal. So what? Still, there's this nagging feeling I get, these thoughts. Those rare, quiet moments, those moments I work so hard to avoid. What if I'm not good enough? What if I lose my job? What if I keep it? What if I am still here in five years, still single, still, I don't know. What if I get divorced like my parents? Does anyone really love me? Does anyone really care? What if I fail? I mean really fail, like out on the streets, carrying a sign by the off-ramp, fail. That would definitely not be good. But why should I be afraid? I mean, how likely is it that I would end up destitute? And what good does worrying about it do? Am I afraid of myself? What if I do the wrong thing? Make the wrong choice? What if I pick the wrong girl? The wrong job? What if I take the wrong chance? What if God doesn't approve of my decisions? What does God want me to do? What if I don't do what God wants? Will God punish me? Am I afraid of God? I really do struggle with fear. I don't want to be afraid. What does my fear cost me? What have I missed? What am I missing? Listen to me. I'm afraid of what I'm afraid of. God... Why am I so afraid? People who care about such things have come up with a list of 2,000 identifiable fears. I'll share a couple of them with you. Verminophobia, that is the fear of germs. Struggle with that myself. Carry the germ everywhere I go. Frominophobia, fear of thinking. I've met a few of those people. Now, if you had this one, if you if you had this one, I don't know how you could get through life. Geniophobia, because everybody's got one of these. Fear of chins. Could you imagine? You know, ah, everybody you see, you're scared. And my my dad accused me of having this fear as a teenager. Orogophobia is the fear of work. And I don't think anybody has this one today. If you do, you're scared to death right now because ecclesiophobia is the fear of church. So maybe that's you if you're sitting there scared out of your wits. Arachibutophobia, 
It's the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. It's a real fear. Identified. You got to think some, you know, somewhere a doctor or somebody was researching and somebody was trying to figure out what they were afraid of, maybe over lunch, you know, and they eating peanut butter and there it goes. Amnesiophobia. That's the fear of amnesia. How would you know if you had that one? Just curious. Come on, first service liked that a lot better. How would you know if you had that one? When I was a little boy, I used to run into my parents' room. I was five or six years old, and I was scared to death because under my bed were things that made noises, and in my closet were things that made noises. And when I would go into my parents' room, they would be really nice sometimes and let me crawl in bed between them, and and all of a sudden the lights were out. I would open my eyes, and in the corner of my parents' bedroom, right beside the closet and the dresser, was a cowboy. He was leaned against the wall. He had a big hat on. He was smoking a pipe, and he had these boots on that were huge, and he just kind of leaned back against the wall in my parents' room. So the lights would go out and be like, Dad, help. You know, there's a cowboy in the corner. And he would turn the lights on and go to make sure there is no cowboy in the corner. But I would lay awake all night just staring over in the corner because, you know, making sure that cowboy stayed put and didn't harm us. You know, it's, it's funny to laugh at things like, you know, fear of church or fear of peanut butter in the roof of your mouth or fear of a cowboy in the corner. But many of us deal with fears that are real with fears that keep us caged up in life, with fears that, that kind of guide us through life because maybe we're afraid of failure or we're afraid to step out there and say, I'm going to take this chance. Or if we're afraid to enter into a new relationship or friendship or a new career because of fear. When I was younger, people used to call me a daredevil. They said I would do anything. And I have done a lot you know, that, that, have put, that has put my life in a lot of danger, whether it's bungee jumping, rock climbing, whatever it is. If there was a time in my life, no fear, jump first, think about it later. That was my motto. Well, then as life went on, marriage comes into the picture, a couple of kids come into the picture, a mortgage comes into the picture, and now fear starts to creep in because the consequences of a mistake as life goes on and you grow and have more responsibility, are much greater. So as we get a little bit older, it's easier for fear to creep into our lives. And we're not designed to live with fear. In fact, God says that almost in those words in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible today, just raise your hand. There's some people going up and down the aisles. They have Bibles. If you're here for the first time today, uh, grab one of those Bibles if you don't have one. We encourage people every week to take a Bible if you don't have one because we believe the stories, the words, the principles that you learn about in there can lead you to a relationship with your Creator. So take one of those, follow along today or follow along on the screen as I read. In the book of First or Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says this about fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. God did not design us to live in fear. This is the third week of a series called Doors. And what we've been talking about, we began on Easter by exploring how how God brought Jesus up from the grave and he walked through the door from death to life. And on that day, a couple hundred people walked down those steps and across this stage and through this door to say, I want to live over here. I don't want to live on that side of the door where there's darkness where there's fear, where there's regret. I want to live on this side of the door, where life just seems to make a little bit more sense, 
where marriages are healed, where addictions are broken, where fears are conquered. So today, if you're living in fear, something greater than the fear of germs or fear of cowboys in the corners of your parents' room or or greater than one of those that I read, but a real fear of failing or a relationship messing up or what's going to happen in the future, if you're living with that fear today, I want to encourage you to take that walk and walk into courage because God designed each of us to live not with a spirit of fear, but a spirit of boldness, a spirit of courage. So over here, you can take chances. Over here is where God designed you to live. People have always dealt with fear. If you read through the Bible, you can read through great men and women of God who dealt with big-time fears. One of those guys' name was Gideon. You can read about him in the Old Testament book of Judges. So thumb through the the first half of the the Bible, and you'll you'll find the book of Judges. I'm going to be reading from chapter 7 in just a few minutes. But Gideon was a guy who was paralyzed by fear. He lived over here. He was scared. He was worried, all because he was part of the Israelite nation, God's chosen people. You can read all about them. If you start in Genesis and start reading, you don't have to read long to start to read about the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, the people who were close to his heart. And God rescued them from slavery over and over again, from captivity over and over again. And every time they would slip back and they would get close to God, then they would get far away from God. They would, they would be afraid, then they would walk through the door to courage, and then they would walk away from God and think they could live by their own power and make their own decisions and never consult God. And so when we start reading about Gideon in the Old Testament, that's how he's living with the nation of Israel who had been rebellious. And for seven years leading up to this story, they had been under subjection to the Midianites. And the Midianites were people they had beaten up and conquered 200 years before that. But after the Israelites went around and conquered all the surrounding nations, they began to feel like, huh, we're all that. We got this under control. God, thanks. We'll call you when we need you. If we get in trouble. But for now, God, we've got it. So God allowed them to fall under the subjection of the Midianites. And that, that had been going on for seven years when we picked this story up. It was interesting, when I was reading about the Midianites a couple of weeks ago, uh, historians believe that the Midianites are the, the people, the nation that, that domesticated the camel. So I'm thinking, well, how would you know that? Maybe the Israelites saw that they, they meet up with them and figure out, oh, man, if they've domesticated the camel, we're beat. And maybe that's all they had to do is show up and say, look at this camel, sit, roll over. You know? And then all of a sudden, the Israelites are scared to death because the Midianites have domesticated the camel. I doubt that's the reason. It was because the Midianites began to multiply and multiply and multiply, and they got so much larger, larger than the Israelites. And finally, they figured out, we can whip them. We're bigger than they are. We're better than they are. There's more of us than there are of them. So against that backdrop, we pick up the story of Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, I said 7, it's actually 6. Judges chapter 6, beginning at verse 11. Read, watch on the screen as I read. The angel of the Lord came down and sat under the oak, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep, keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So here's this guy Gideon who is hiding his food because the Midianites have been very mean to them and they're taking all their stuff, they're killing people, they're putting people in jail, they're just making sure the Israelites feel defeated. 
And so Gideon is hidden on a hillside, and the wine press is kind of back in the side of the hill, and he's putting his food in there because he doesn't want it to be stolen. He's alone, he's afraid, he's living in fear, and God shows up and calls him a mighty warrior. And God God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't even see in himself. He obviously didn't see himself as a mighty warrior, or he wouldn't have been scared to death on the hillside trying to hide his food. So God shows up and calls him a mighty warrior warrior. God sees things in you that you don't even see in yourself. And if you struggle with living on this side of the door, with living in fear, living just wondering what bad is going to happen next, and living with regret, and just constantly living here where Gideon did, you need to write this down. You've heard before, God, you need to believe in God. People probably told that your whole life. But one thing you need to wrap your mind around Write this down, God believes in you. God's the coach that stands on the sideline and says, you can do it. You can make it. You you can do this thing. You can get past this. God's the cheerleader that says, yay. God God is the God who says, you are mighty. And if you will just walk through the door from fear to courage, all of a sudden life is going to begin to make sense like it never did before. But if you live over here constantly, in fear, never realizing that God believes in you, then life will never be what it could be. Because when God looks at your life, he sees what could be and what should be. So Gideon's probably thinking at this point, okay, mighty warrior, God, you've got the wrong tree. You know, you need to go find another oak. I'm not the mighty warrior. I'm scared. I'm hiding my food. We're, We're getting beat up by these people all the time, and you show up and call me a mighty warrior? The next question he asked the angel ultimately asking God, is legitimate. He says this, If the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? So God, you're saying I'm mighty. You're saying that, that you think I've got something I don't think I have. If that's the case, why are we here? Why, are, why am I having to hide my food? Why is, that, why is that going on? But see, on this side of the door, you have to ask those kind of questions. You have to deal with the fear of thinking God isn't going to be faithful because that's what Gideon was thinking. God, God's just not going to be faithful because look at our past. Look at, look at what's going on in our nation, Gideon's thinking. And so he's asking the angel, hey, what gives? If I'm so mighty, then why are we living like we're living? See, on this side of the door, there are more questions than answers. There's more worry than confidence. On this side of the door, there are four words that will mess up your life. First two, what if? It'll mess up your future. What if? What, what if I invest in this and it, and it falls apart? What if I ask her and she says no? What if, what if he's unfaithful? What if she's unfaithful? What if the plane crashes? What if I go to the doctor and, it, and, and I get a really bad report? What if the economy really goes in the tank and, and I lose my job? What if I find myself without a home? What if my kids rebel? What if I live the rest of my life single? Asking what if, what if, what if about something that you don't know what's going to happen is going to mess up your future. The other two words are looking into your past and saying, if only. If only I would have, if only I would have married somebody different. If only I would have majored in something different. If only I could have had different parents. If only I would have different kids. If only you would act like him. Oh, if only my wife looked like that. If only my husband looked like that. 
if only will leave nothing but a mile of regret that causes you to live in fear on this side of the door where you were never meant to live. And what God is saying to Gideon and saying to us is, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live that way. You can walk through the door from fear to courage and live the way you were meant to live. So he asks Gideon to assemble an army and to go and defeat the Midianites. And immediately Gideon, who struggles with self-confidence, who's living on this side of the door, thinking, well, I'm just a nobody, says this. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. God, you've got the wrong person. I'll fail for sure. I'm just not good enough. You've picked the weakest people and the weakest guy in that group of people. What's going on, God? I don't get it. See, that's what happens over here. The fear of, I'm just not good enough. You ever tell yourself that? I'm just not good enough. I could never accomplish that. I could never do that. That would never happen in my life. I'm just not good enough. And so you live paralyzed, not taking the step through the door that God asks all of us to take, to live in courage. And when you see something like, maybe something like one of the mission trips that we advertise and say, hey, you can go on a mission trip. You can go to another part of the world, serve people as part of our global outreach. We'll even help pay for it if you need that. And, and you're thinking, I'm going to do it, but now, nah, but I'm kind of, afraid, I'm afraid of flying. I'm afraid, what if I get sick? What if, you know, what, what if, you know, what if I get caught by, by somebody really mean and they do something bad to me? And you just begin to think, what if, what if, what if? Or you see the baptism service that we just talked about at the beginning of the service. And you think, I can't, I'm just not ready for that. I just can't do that. Because what if I don't live up to the standard God has? What if, what if, what if those people think I look weird, you know, in a blue t-shirt and bathing suit? What if, you know, what if, what if? And just not taking that step and making that decision. Maybe... It's time for your marriage to be truly healed. Maybe it's time for you to finally break an addiction. Maybe it's time for you to finally say, I'm sorry, and mend a relationship that's broken. What fear has kept you from doing what God is calling you to do? We all have them. We all deal with them. What fear has kept you on this side? Fear of rejection, fear of failure. What fear has kept you in the whining zone? You know, oh, life's bad. It's bad and it's only getting worse. And now, you know, my dog died and I'm listening to country music all of a sudden. And just life is just bad. On this side, people whine a lot about life. Woe is me. Remember I talked about the middle a couple of weeks ago. When you live in the middle, like I've done in my life, you try to live a little bit on this side, a little bit on that side. Life doesn't make a lot of sense. Not a lot of fears are conquered. You don't do a lot of courageous things standing in the middle. But when you walk through the door to courage, to the fearless life that God calls each of us to live, then life really begins to make sense. On this side is where you find courage. On this side is where you take some chances and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. A few years back, I found myself. It was 1991. I was in a jewelry store. All the money I had to my name just came from my student loan check that I cashed at the bank. I don't even know if this is legal. So I took, I took that money. I went to the jewelry store, the only source of money I had, and I bought a ring. One little diamond ring, all I could afford. It broke me. 
don't tell anybody that I use my student loan money. And if you're going to college, don't use your student loan money for that. So I go to this girl's apartment, my wife now, and I go in, get on one knee just in a traditional way, and I asked, I took the chance, and I asked her to marry me. I was pretty sure what she was going to say. But still, I took the chance. She knew I was broke because, you know, all the money I had, I just spent. And I took the chance. I asked her to marry me. Now, what's going on in your life where you just need to take the chance? Where you just need to throw caution to the wind and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going in this direction. This, this is how God would want me to live. This is the courage that God would want me to have. This is the courage he's told me I can live in, and I'm going to take the step, and I'm going to do it. Or maybe you're here, and you're thinking, I'm just too weak. I just got too much going wrong in my life. I'm just not good enough. If you think you're not good enough, if you think you're not strong enough, you've got to write this down and think about it this week. His strength through my weakness is exactly enough. See, over here, my weakness, over here, my weakness is inhibiting. It's debilitating. It defeats me. But over here, it's combined with God's strength, and it's exactly enough. See, Gideon thought, I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. And God's like, duh, you're on the side of a hill hiding your food. I already know that. But if you will walk through the door from fear to courage, And realize that whatever your weakness is, you combine that with God's strength, and that's exactly enough to get you through 100% of the time. Judges 6, verse 14, God says to Gideon, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So what are you fighting against? What do you think is impossible? Because on this side of the door, you're dealing with, something maybe in your life you think is impossible, but combine your weakness with God's strength, and the impossible will turn into the possible with God's strength. So Gideon asked God for a couple of signs. He's convinced, okay, I need to do this. So God, can you give me a sign? And God gave him a sign. And then Gideon goes and assembles an army, 32,000 people, 32,000 men, and he's thinking, I got it. There's a lot more of them than are us, but we're strong now. God said we're mighty warriors. 32,000 of us, we're going to go beat them. And God said, you've got too many men. Now, they've got 150,000 plus some friends that don't like the Israelites. So that's like 200,000 people against 32,000. And Gideon thinks he can do it. And then God says, no, nah, you got too many men. If I let you win with that many men, you're going to think you did it. You're going to think it was all by your power. And I wonder how many times in God's in our life does God allow the odds to be stacked against us so we'll know for sure it wasn't our power that got us through the door. It wasn't our smarts that made everything better. It was God's power working in our weakness that led us into the courageous life. So God loves impossible odds because he can turn the impossible to the possible. So he tells Gideon to tell all the guys, if you're afraid, go home. 22,000 people go home. Now they're down to 10,000. And then God sends them to another test to get these guys down, down, down to the ones that really are warriors, that really want to fight, that's really walked through that door. And it, it winds up being 300 against 200,000. And Gideon has got to be thinking, God, do you need a calculator? This does not add up. 300 people do not defeat 200,000 people. That's true if you live over here. 
But if you allow God to take that that you think is impossible and you walk through the door from fear to courage, then all of a sudden the things that seemed impossible in your life are all of a sudden possible. God can turn the impossible into the possible in your life if you will just take hold of the courage that he promises each of us that we can live in. He did it for Gideon, and he'll do the same for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this this story of Gideon that just opens up our eyes and our minds to to a way to see you that that you can always do the the impossible in our life. And God, you can take someone who's afraid, who's scared, who's defeated, and you can turn that person into a person that lives fearlessly in you. Father, combine our weaknesses with your strength. May each person here not live in fear, but live in courage. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.